Welcome to another Blue Jay Beat Wrap-Up Show featuring WhiteAndBlueReview.com's Matt DeMoranis. Happy New Year, Creighton fans. Uh, and everybody else listening, this is Matt DeMoranis from White and Blue Review. Joined, as always, by Johnny Atawa from the Omaha World Herald. Uh, John, Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Thank you, bud. Same to you. <laughs> yep. And uh, we get to kick it off by talking about good news, which is probably, you know, hashtag blessed. Um, Creighton defeated Providence 83-64 to today, earlier this afternoon at the CenturyLink Center. Dollar beer night number one of the season. Went off pretty well um, to even their record. A one one in Big East play, which was, you know, it was probably a pretty big game for Creighton. Uh, probably more so than Providence coming in, given that the way they lost the Seton Hall game and the way Providence um, you know, kind of got things corrected at St. John's. So there was more urgency from Creighton, and I think that certainly played out for the majority of the game, especially in the second half. Uh, what were some of your takeaways from the 40 minutes today? Yeah, I thought urgency was pretty high for, for Creighton. There were a, a number of They didn't always get all the loose balls. I mean, there were some mm-hmm. rebounds that – that was that one possession where there was a stretch early where it was like bodies falling all over the place, dive in and yeah. yeah. But I thought Creighton was quick, quickest to the floor most of the time, more mm-hmm. times than not. There was that one possession where Providence got like three offensive rebounds and, uh, like you said, there was there was some there was some body checking and <laughs> people stumbling and getting pushed and shoved. But um, for the most part, man, I thought they just brought really good energy, especially on defense. And we talk about it a lot with this team if they're engaged and communicating, talking and. Um, just playing with some awareness and using their instincts well defensively, sticking to the plan. They're usually uh, they're usually performing at the level they need to defensively. Like they're never going to be a great defensive team, but no. they don't need to be because they are so or they can be so efficient and so potent on offense. But I thought they did what they needed to. Providence missed some shots that it probably normally make would make. I mean, I, I doubt that Diallo and. Uh, Jackson will combine to go 0 for 8 from 3 next time because I, I feel like more Cartwright the majority too. of those were really good looks. Cartwrights, though, weren't – I didn't like no, his he for, he forced his yeah. for sure. He just felt – it felt like he was out of sync all game. Mm-hmm. Partly Creighton, you know, partly Creighton, probably partly the ankle. Yeah. Um, but uh, – Early on Creighton, later the ankle because yeah. he, he – there was a – you know, that point in that game where it was 16-14 and he tweaks that thing. Goes out, Creighton hits a seven zero run. Yeah, it ends up being like a nine eleven zero run, I think. Actually, um, that was the when start. He comes of, back in, and that was pretty much. I was going to say that was the start of Providence's lengthy scoring drought too. Yeah, in the first half, they missed like eleven shots in a row mm-hmm. over a six minute stretch, and he was off the floor for a lot of it. Um, yeah, like you were about. I think you were about to say that was probably the difference in the game, or I that, mean, that it, changed it. It, 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 put, it put that margin there that never decreased yeah. ever. You know what I mean? Providence never got it within a couple possessions. Um, and the start of it was the second half, which was probably on every single person's mind in the entire arena, right, was how was Creighton going to come out in the second half. Right. Because, you know, the three losses they've suffered this year, have all you can all point to the second half as far as where the where it started to go wrong. Um, and Creighton came out and hit a 6-0 run right away. I mean, an energetic 6-0 run. Like, Toby hit the three in the corner. That got the crowd. Every time a three goes in for Creighton, the crowd gets involved. And the, the other three point play was Martin dunking Ooh. on Cartwright. What something a, fierce. Why did Cartwright show up? I on don't that one? know. He should, that's a 
what we call those business business decisions get out of the way when that's happening. Like you don't need to be part of that. A, a lot of times, though, I, I do commend the guys for for actually trying to, for trying. But, but in that situation, but he gives him a foul and like he, yeah, didn't, he right, has, easy. it affected it none. You right, because I mean? you got to know who you are. You're yes. you're a point guard and you're going trying to block a six nine guy who's already in the air. Yeah. No, get out, of the, get out of that. Who is uh, get out of that mess? Who has been prone to dunk? Pretty fierce at times this year. So I'm, was, I'm the guy getting, I'm the guy taking the ball out every single time. Like, I'm just waiting for that thing to come through the net. That's it. So yeah, he gets that dunk on Cartwright, which is foul, three point play, six zero run, bam, just like that. The crowd is engaged, the bench is engaged. Yeah. everybody's loving it right now because Tini just dunked on Providence's best player. So that just that was that was ball game essentially. I mean, I don't think you know the game. They got up to twenty, and it got within maybe fourteen, but it never really didn't really feel like Creighton was ever. In a danger zone no. at that point in the second half after that run. Yeah, and I felt like a lot of the reason why that was the case was because Providence just wasn't able to find any rhythm or kind of get in sync offensively. Just right. wasn't able to hit shots. So, uh, that's Kevin Jewell, by the way. Happy to, New Year, Kevin. Had to say hi, happy holidays, <laughs> Kevin Jewell. Enjoy your ring, uh, your Lord of the Rings uh, marathon. Yeah, gotta get that in. Um, I just felt like Creighton's. Offense, or sorry, Creighton's defense was good enough to keep Providence from finding a group. I mean, Providence never put together a run because no. uh, number one, it, it didn't hit very many shots. But I just thought that uh, the majority of looks that, aside from two that the two that Lindsay hit, according to Greg McDermott, were breakdowns by the Jays. But mm-hmm. for the most part, I thought they were they didn't give him a lot of space. Um, they were they bothered Cartwright enough. And contested his shots as well, and you know Taz Kyrie Thomas was assigned to Rodney Bullock, and he did enough to obviously make life difficult on him. So, which he usually does typically. Yeah. Like that's been a tough matchup for, you know, Bullock is going to go fifteen and ten and five of eleven. It's going to look like he had a pretty decent day with only one turnover in thirty two minutes. But it was I don't think he was. It didn't feel like he was a factor in the ball game. Um, which not, is kind not of at the what, level that Providence probably needed him to be yeah. in a game like that. And which is weird because that's what he he's kind of been like. It seems like his energy is flat, and every time I've seen him play against Creighton, I know he's a big-time, you know, uh, part of their success, but I don't know what it is about maybe just the things that Kyrie takes away from him makes him uncomfortable in his individual game or things like that, but it feels like he's not, he gets taken out of the game when it matters, and then by the time he gets something going, I think he hit a turnaround off the glass against Kyrie, but again, that was at the point where this game was... Just they were just in desperation well, mode at yeah. that point, you know. They're pressing and trying to do anything to get back into it, but it wasn't working. I just didn't think he was engaged where he needed to be today, even though he ended up with a good line. Yeah. Um, but three to twenty-three from three, we you know we've mentioned it a lot, but they came. I mean, they hit sixteen threes. Was it against? Was that the number they hit against? Yeah, I think they were like eleven and uh, sixteen in the second half yeah, of that game. Yeah, yeah. really. It was a little bit wide open, to, right? So. And I think I they mean, were 18th in the country in shooting percentage from the three-point line at like 41.1%. That's what I mean. They're 41%. Than, they're, they're a good three-point shooting team. But I think you mentioned something that before we started recording here was that's not necessarily – there's a, there's a fluctuation between the teams that – For the most part. Maybe they've – Yeah, the teams are more challenging. Right, yeah. like the better teams on their schedule, they mm-hmm. don't shoot it as well against – for the most part. Now, I think they shot it really well against Rhode Island in that loss. But Houston held them down. I feel like they were decent against Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they. I can't remember what the the game flow was like against uh, UMass, but 
I thought if uh, again, I thought if Creighton were able to stick to its plan, obviously the Jays know Providence really well. Even though Providence has a ton of offensive sets and plays that they like to run, mm-hmm. and it can be kind of uh, d- difficult to stick with those guys when they're running sort of their offense the way they do, clustering everything in the middle of the lane and yeah, it's really uh, ugly. Setting a lot of screens there to to try to muck it up a little bit for you defensively, forcing you to communicate. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I thought if Creighton were locked in, and they were, um, I thought if they were locked in, they'd be able to. Uh, keep Providence from finding its rhythm and that's what happened so um, and then I thought Creighton did a really good job too of uh, select being selective with its uh, transition game because yes. obviously the Jays want to push tempo a lot mm-hmm. but Providence uh, at least especially in this ma- this matchup over the past couple of years has done a really good job of um, you know getting people back and that's I mean it was when we asked Ed Cooley after the game what's the key to slowing down Creighton's offense or or what do you what what's at the top of your scouting report when you game plan against these guys and transition defense was the first thing he said yeah so they talk about it they they obviously um want to slow Creighton down but they the Jays still got some some easy buckets even after made made baskets from Providence I thought Creighton was Foster really good and Marcus and Kyrie were on they were they were kind of like you know pretty much leaking out on the wings yeah and I feel like those guys had a head of steam with the ball in their hands a lot, a lot more than Providence probably wanted. Because yep. I mean, Marcus finished. Marcus finished probably one of the funniest plays you'll see on Big East blooper reels at the end of the season, where uh, you know Diallo's backpedaling in transition. Yeah. He trips over his own feet, and then Bullock is backpedaling as well in front of Diallo, but he doesn't see Diallo fall, so he falls over Diallo, and then Marcus is dunking in the background of all that <laughs> Providence chaos on the floor, and it's like. There's injury timeouts and what just happened, and Marcus is like running down the other floor after dunking on people. So there were a lot of those situations where Marcus got a full head of steam with nobody in front of him. And I think it was like, I mean, that transition defense major breakdowns for right. Providence today. Yeah, I think it was seven of his first 13 points were on like leak outs yeah. or just like, I guess, beating them down the floor. Right. After made buckets, too. So, um, yeah, Marcus was doing that. Kyrie had that. Sick move. Yeah, it was like a one, two, one. It was. Like, I think he hit him with two in in out dribbles, and then yeah. Euro step. The Euro step was nasty though. Like yeah, I didn't see it coming. I was like, I was kind of see sizing him up. What is he about to do? Oh, okay, that was know. a nice move. Cause he slid him. Like he yeah. was fully. It was like some guys Euro, and they're like half by the guy, and they can just lay it up because the arm's free. But he was fully by him on the. <laughs> like he fooled him bad. So uh, yeah, Drew Edwards on that one. He's not gonna want to watch that highlight, but. Uh, one overall part of the game that I keep watching and I thought was a big factor today was uh, the defensive rebounding. I just wanted to see – I was curious how it would translate from the Seton Hall game because I thought that was a big part of the Seton Hall game. Maybe maybe it wasn't as big of a factor as, you know, the turnovers and just the overall – I'm sorry to interrupt, but I just wanted to say being there courtside for the Seton Hall, mm-hmm. they were – Extreme. They got extremely energized every time they got an offensive board, especially right. when Delgado got one. Okay. Yeah, he's an emotional player. I think his play, his teammates feed off his energy, mm-hmm. and so does the crowd. So because he's kind of that guy, you know, when he puts it in, he's flexing, you know, shaking his head, screaming, you know, like he he wears it on his sleeve, and I think people respond to that in a positive manner. For, like if you're wearing the Seton Hall jersey or, yeah. or supporting that team. So when he got those two back, like I, I think he actually got three offensive boards in a two-possession span. To me, even though Creighton did end up battling back and retaking the lead, to me that was the, one of the moments I starred um, on, my, on my play-by-play because if, he, if, he, if Creighton were able, would have been able to, to box him out and get the defensive board in that situation, um, 
I think the Jays might have been able to uh, to maybe extend their lead a little bit further because uh, I think they were up one, and then those two plays happened. They were down three, and then they came down, and um, and and he hit two free throws and fouled Toby out of the game. Um, it just that was a momentum switch, and it was enough of a boost to where Seton Hall could, was in the game for the rest of it, right? Yeah. And they and they could withstand Creighton. Creighton made a surge after that, and but Seton Hall could withstand it because of those plays. So I thought. I think you're right on. I think that that was uh, an important part of the game, and obviously from Creighton's standpoint, something that they talked about. I'm sure going into this one, mm-hmm. um, because you know Providence, uh, you don't want them to get easy buckets in that in that right. fashion and, and get some momentum there. So and Creighton they, did a good job of that. Yeah, they ended up with Providence ended up with six second chance points for the game on eight offensive rebounds, and Ed Cooley even mentioned in the post game that he was. He doesn't think this has ever happened before, where they've had single-digit offensive rebounds against Creighton. Okay, I looked it up. Which oh, you did? Yeah, I meant to look it up, but I didn't. Twice know. last year they had single-digit oh. against Creighton. <laughs> <laughs> they did have twenty-one in the first meeting, so that's so perhaps that's, that's like so maybe his, his average is just off. Yeah, yeah he's yeah. thinking about that game, but For no, sure. I think in the in the Big East tournament they had eight okay. uh, offensive boards, and I think they only had like six or something like that in the meeting here last year. It wasn't very much, really. Um, I figured it was more than that last year. Interesting, um, but yeah. But I mean, Creighton grabbed, yeah, Creighton grabbed eighty-five percent of the defensive rebounds that were available in the second half. That's a huge number. You're essentially, I mean, eighteen to twenty-one. Providence had that's how many second chance opportunities Providence had. They didn't score their first second chance point until fourteen forty, with fourteen forty left in the second half. Right. By then, like we said, the game was pretty much decided by then. Unless Creighton was going to totally collapse. You know, Providence was playing uphill the whole way from that point. So it they, it wasn't a factor. Up until that point, and when it became start somewhat of a factor, that it was too little, too late for for Providence. So right. I thought that was a big area that Creighton cleaned up because they only their defense rebounding percentage was sixty five percent against Seton Hall. So um, they actually gave up more second chance points in the first half, which I was surprised by. But still, like you mentioned, you know that stretch where Delgado kind of got his game going, his mojo going, and the crowd involved that kind of changed the game a little bit. There, Creighton didn't didn't allow that to happen. Um, Tonight or this afternoon against Providence, so I thought that was a big factor in the game, just uh, on the whole as the team goes individually. Who stands out to you from today? Um, it was a balanced scoring effort, so it's probably hard to choose. But what were some of who were some of your uh, your uh, you know star performers from this afternoon? Well, I liked what Ronnie did mm-hmm. off the bench. Um, I think he had three assists, but he just seemed to be in control uh, with with his with the dribble and, and the ball in his hands when he was kind of maneuvering through the defense and finding guys for, for buckets and obviously hit two big three-pointers as well. Yep. Um, I thought he played pretty well. Uh, Davion Mintz offensively, especially in the second half. I Davion think had a really good second half. I think yeah. he had a couple. Took advantage. I, I, I talked to him on Friday after uh, the Seton Hall game because he put up 10 points in that game. Mm-hmm. And we kind of just talked about how teams are obviously shading and shadowing and trying to swarm Marcus Foster and Kyrie Thomas to pay more attention to those guys. So. Yeah. Um, whether it's in a closeout situation um, where where a defender's running at him and he's got an opportunity to maybe catch him on on the defender the defender on his on his heels or uh, maybe off balance or uh, or maybe a defender's cheating a little bit to try to help on on uh, Marcus or Taz and and he's got a window a scoring window or a lane to the bucket like he wants to take advantage of that he thinks that there's more opportunities there for him so I think from a confidence standpoint it's probably really good for him uh, to have ten points. And, and twelve. Points. I think it's the first time in his career he's gone back to back double digits. Really? Yeah. Okay. So, 
I think that's a good sign. Obviously, Creighton is going to need more than just Marcus and Kyrie to do work offensively. Mm-hmm. And, there, and there are going to be situations where, you know, Martin Crumples maybe has an off night or maybe he's in foul trouble and then who steps up? So th- then, you know, then it, then it might be a guy like Ronnie Harrell or Davion Mintz who's, who's called on to score. So I thought those two guys stood out to me, at least with their performance. Yeah, those are two pretty good ones too. I was going to... I was going to say, Ronnie, before you took both of them. So that's Sorry, man. poor teamwork on your part. Yeah, I apologize. Um, I, I, now I said both things. So who you got? <laughs> who else impressed you? Well, if I'm going to collectively put them together, I guess you can look at, I mean, the front line of Martin and to- Toby, which are, you know, kind of Creighton's makeshift fives at this point with, you know, what they do offensively and defensively. I mean, 28 points, 13 rebounds from those two. That's pretty good. I mean. Was that a season high in rebounds for Toby? Uh, I don't know. I think he might have had six earlier. Okay. So. Um, it's good that he, for Creighton, obviously, it's good that he's he looks like he's moving better. Yeah, that, with that foot, you don't see him hobbling as much, you know. And, and at Gonzaga, I remember uh, Coach McDermott sort of like half joking that Toby can't jump, <laughs> and so it's hard for him to get rebounds because yeah. he was that was his first game back, obviously. Right. And, um, if if they're gonna play him as much as they as he as he's playing, like they need him to grab, they need everybody to rebound, obviously. But if you're four man, you obviously want him to to crash the glass and be good there. So. It's, it's obviously good that he can yeah. actually be mobile and, and get off the floor because that ankle was really limiting him early and, in the year, and or, I thought, or in December. Oh, for sure. And I thought a couple big moments were one of, first of all, the three hit to start the second half, got everybody going. Yeah. We mentioned that already. Um, another one was a three hit against Providence's zone, which was starting to create some chaos. Because he length. did have a turnover yes, against it. Yes. Yeah. Um, but the, I mean, Creighton wasn't really. I mean, Kyrie was off the floor at that time, so they didn't really have one of their zone busters in there either, um, which was a good time for Ed Cooley to go to it. And I, I think thought. wasn't Ronnie off the floor too? Yes. I think Correll yeah, was off yeah. the floor. So Creighton was having. A, you know, they were kind of just swinging it around the perimeter, and no one was really getting in the teeth of it. But eventually, they did after a couple of possessions. They got into the teeth of it, and they found Toby in the corner. And, think, and he knocked it down. And so. I think Davion Mintz was the guy who hit a three the next time down yep. against his own two, and then mm-hmm. they end, Providence ended up getting out of it. But, um, yeah, it's just like this team has so much potential on offense to yeah. uh, to hit you from different different corners, different angles, different spots with different people. Um, but you need those players, especially the younger guys, the, the, the maybe the more inexperienced guys, to build up some confidence. And I think – the way that Ronnie Harrell's played and the way that Martin Crumple's played, they've kind of um, they've kind of proven to themselves what they're capable of. And mm-hmm. now I think you need uh, Creighton needs guys like Davion Mintz and Tyshawn Alexander and Mitch Ballot to kind of get their mojo going in the right way, the yeah. right direction again. Um, Which Tyshawn Davion, tweaked an ankle a little bit today, so we'll have right. to see how he responds in a couple of days going forward. Mitch has seemed to struggle a little bit to start Big East play. I'm not worried that he'll get it going eventually, but it seems like he's starting to hit that learning curve. He's, trying, I, he's I, starting to hit that point where guys are scouting him now. Yeah, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, they'll, they'll take away what he's comfortable doing, so he's going to adjust to that. That's I don't, the, I don't we know. We saw what, that. We knew that was going to come did, eventually. Uh, do you remember how many shots he took against Seton Hall? I don't think I he, don't. I think he – honestly, I think he took – they credited him with a shot, but I think he was it was a pass. Oh, really? I think it was a That's, three-pointer that he was looking for Martin. So, yeah, he was 0 inside. for 1 from 3. That's what yeah. he was credited with. Right, so they gave him a shot, but I, and, and a, I think it was like the ball was deflected by uh, Delgado. Okay. But I'm pretty sure it was a shot, or I'm pretty sure it was a pass. So mm-hmm. now it's two games where, I mean, in the scorebook at least, he's only shot twice total. Yeah. In what so it, 34 minutes, 34, he's right, yeah. got three turnovers and two shot attempts and missed both. So, I, I mean, he, there's... he's 
he's a uh, he's one of those players that that um, sure he knows he can shoot it really well, but mm-hmm. I feel like he puts it puts it upon himself to try to be kind of the team guy and he's the he's first guy. Yeah, and he's really bought into that idea of like the way Creighton plays. I mean, they they want to even though they have a good look, maybe they want to get a better one. They yes. think they can get a better one, so yeah. that's sort of in their a lot of it's ingrained in a lot of these guys' mentality of like one the extra pass, make the extra pass, and I yeah. think that maybe for him. Um, there are times when he can actually pull the trigger and maybe should pull the trigger because he has a good look. Yeah, because they're and, giving him room. Sure. Yeah, so um, he'll grow with that, I'm sure. And, and But the good thing, too, about a guy like Mitch Ballack is he still impacts the game in other ways. I mean, he dove on the floor a couple times, um, battling for some loose balls, grabbed a couple rebounds today. Um, and he's, he's still – I think he reads the ball pretty – I think he reads – Ball screens pretty well mm-hmm. um, coming off ball screens. He did make. So, a, I think he misread a really one a one against the zone that he had a lob. Oh the yeah, the length in front of him kind that. of like threw him off a little yep. bit. So he didn't know if he could get it over there. Yep. Um, and but Mac kind of let him know that he needed to throw that lob because the <laughs> the thing he decided to do was throw Marcus a little side winding backdoor slider that ended up in a turnover. So, yes. Yeah. And, Option A was better. And and we yeah. heard. McDermott yelled Mitch yeah, and exactly. maybe stomped the floor or something uh, <laughs> after that. And, yeah, so. and Mitch just sort of like turned and walked away because he knew. <laughs> he understood. Right. Um, the one, the other stat I kind of want to highlight is um, Marcus, Davion, and Kyrie collectively uh, over 40 points, but 10 assists, no turnovers between the starting backcourt, if you will. That's pretty good. I mean, if that's kind of what – if they're taking care of the ball and making plays, those three, that's – that's a hard team to beat with how mm-hmm. efficient they are offensively. I don't have. I'm not going to go off on a big tangent on this. I just thought, you know, as clean as that needed to be from them, given how things transpired um, in the second half against Seton Hall. I mean, I think Kyrie did have one turnover today. He got a charge, a block charge call, the benefit of one, where he ended up making it and going to the free throw line. I thought was a charge. Oh yeah, the one on Cartwright. Yeah, he kind of tried. Just to, ran I think he over. tried a Ural step on Cartwright, and Cartwright yeah. beat him to the spot, but they called it a block. Yeah, so yeah. I thought that was a charge, but they called it a block, so he doesn't get a turnover for today. Um, but that keeps them clean. Ten assists, no turnovers from those three. You know, I don't think that's. I wouldn't expect that every night, just given the way how aggressive they have to be. Yeah. But I mean, the fact that they were aggressive tonight, all three of them, um, but they were also very selective with whether it was in the paint, on the perimeter, when to push, when to. You know when to put the pedal to the metal and things like that. I thought um, that was a good thing to see and a big part of why Creighton was so efficient offensively throughout the re- throughout the you know the duration of the game today. Yeah, the, the, they're uh, continue. I'm continually impressed with their ability to take care of the ball. And mm-hmm. and the thing is too, if if they don't take care of it, you notice it. Yeah, it really stands out. Yeah. So that like, that has to be part of their DNA. <coughs> like um, they they can't give away possessions. And uh, for the most part, they've done a good job of that. And when they haven't, they've really it's it's been pretty glaring. I mean, mm-hmm. Seton Hall, uh, this early, the start of the second half against Gonzaga. I mean, those were those are probably the two um, games that stick out the most, where they clearly didn't take care of it, and it changed the game uh, in a bad way, obviously for Creighton. So they got they got to make good decisions, and uh, that's the challenge is is that they they do want to make. Obviously, they're always looking. They're always shot ready. They're always looking to for an open spot. But they're they also want to be a team that's comfortable making a defense work and being patient, moving the ball around, uh, kind of making the smart play. But uh, they, it's also kind of ingrained in them making a the smart play or waiting for your mistake. Right? You know yeah. Because I mean? yeah. yeah. they want to make yeah. run offense and assume that hey, if we make this team communicate and switch all these screens, eventually mm-hmm. they're going to have a bust. 
but uh but they're also sort of ingrained to make like the first thing they see yeah the, yeah. the really nice player that pass that that's gonna like free up somebody and sometimes you just force it um sometimes maybe they're playing too fast yeah. but um yeah, they've done a really good job taking care of the ball, and they got to do it. They every every game, it has to be part of who they are, or else they're going to find themselves in trouble. So there was like a couple stretches against Providence, even where they did kick it around or give it away a few yeah. times, and you're like, oh, and you noticed game, it. Yeah, yeah this you game could, could turn and the flow and everything right. was different. Yeah. Um. So I mean, that's pretty much the the nuts and bolts of what we saw today. Uh, do you have any thoughts on? I guess. St. John's coming in going forward. First of all, I mean, the way the Big East is playing out right now, I don't even know if we can look forward and say, well, Creighton should be 5-1 and one for this stretch. Or, <laughs> I know. I don't know if you can map that out at this point, given what's transpired so far. I think you kind of just got to go game by game. So St. John's is next. We just watched them lose a close one at Seton Hall without Shamari Pons or Marcus Levet. Right. So that's a pretty impressive result, considering how good we think Seton Hall has been up to this point. Um yeah, what do you expect out of this matchup here where, you know, Creighton has another opportunity to protect home court, but they're also facing a team that's now 0-2 in Big East play. I know, a desperate team. Yeah. A team with a lot of expectations internally, I think. Absolutely. Maybe even locally there. I think some people thought that St. Always John's locally there. Always I ever told you the story about the New York reporter came in here and covered Lav when Lav was coaching them? Uh-uh. Oh, my God. Okay, well, so, like, it was one of his – it was when Creighton was uh, – 14 and 19. So it was like their after, the first year after Doug and okay. Ethan and those yeah. guys left. That was um, Labs last year, right? Wasn't it? I think so. Okay. Yeah, because they went to the NCAA tournament, and I think they fired him after that. So, um, But they came in, and saying Creighton hadn't won a game in the Big East yet. And Creighton beat him by three. And so this New York Post guy had, flew all the way to Omaha for the game. And he was just like, he just started berating Lav in the post-game <laughs> presser. And it was really awkward. And he was kind of just like, going on the line of like why isn't this team better why did you just lose to this crappy Creighton team right. like all those sorts of things were like you could feel those were the questions being asked and like Lab was just under the microscope right then and there and like the rest of us were just like shifting to the wall so we wouldn't be part of the, the back and forth tiptoeing out of the room yeah okay. like, we'll just let you guys have the room then <laughs> if you that. want to do this so yeah but yeah like you said the media definitely has expectations for the St. John's team yeah. and when they start to show flashes of it you expect it to be more consistent um yeah, we'll see, man. I think I'd imagine they'll be pretty inspired coming in. We'll see if Shamori Pons is able to play. If right. he is, obviously it makes a difference. Um, usually Creighton, the 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 style of play that St. John's has is it suits Creighton well mm-hmm. because St. John's doesn't mind running yeah, up and down the court. Try to slow you down, yeah. Creighton's usually a little bit more structured with the way that it operates in that pace, a little bit more disciplined it seems. But then again, when you look at St. John's, like um, they're playing better defense. They they are an aggressive defense. Uh, defensive unit, the way they that they chances. play, they do they take do chances, chances, but it's worked for them. I mean, they block a lot of shots. They they get some steals. Um, if you, you look at their efficiency numbers, it's it's night and day as compared to last year and this year. And, and I'd imagine if they're like engaged and maybe if they get some shots to fall on the other end, like they're going to bring a ton of energy and, and make you work on on offense. So it, it's it's a what what are they in Ken, Ken Palm like top fifty, top sixty maybe? Yeah, probably. I don't know the numbers in front So of anything can happen when you're talking about that. Creighton doesn't mm-hmm. have like the oh, an overwhelming talent advantage this time against St. Mm-hmm. John's, which has maybe been the case the last few years. Um, they always have athletes, but Creighton, ha- Creighton, I feel like, has always had the more kind of cohesive unit. And maybe this year is a little bit different. So 
Jays are going to have to be on their A game. They will be. And I think it goes to something that Mac mentioned in the press conference, a question you asked him about the identity of their defense. Um, and he mentioned the fact that they don't have someone who can erase mistakes yeah. at the rim, so they have to be very assignment sound and things like that. St. John's has a plethora of guys who can erase yes, mistakes all over the court. Definitely. So they can take more chances on the perimeter and get out of position because they know a Tariq Owens is coming to – you know, correct some things. And, I mean, he had a play in the, in the Seton Hall game where he took a chance, got out of position, and still recovered to block Angel Delgado. So, yeah. like, even he can recover his own mistakes sometimes. So that's the type of defense St. John's uh, plays. It's the type of game they like to play. It's very chaotic, but it's like they're they're most comfortable in that chaos because right. when the game's just going all over the place and the ball's flying around and they're chasing after it and running out and throwing alley-oops and hitting open threes. like That's when they are most comfortable. So that's the type of game that's going to happen. Creighton's really going to take care of the ball. If they do, I think they'll be fine. Yeah. Um, I think they'll win comfortably even if they take care of the ball. But if they don't, I expect it to be an entertaining game for one, so the fans should enjoy it no matter what. Definitely. But, I mean, one that St. John's could win if Creighton doesn't take care of the ball. Right. Yeah. I, I think that's probably number one on the keys to the game for yeah. Creighton is not to not turn the ball over. And then probably – um, similarly to the games against Gonzaga, uh, UT Arlington, those two teams were pretty good at protecting the rim. You got to, if you get it in the teeth of the defense, sometimes you got to be aware that everyone's swarming to you, and mm-hmm. if you, you're one pass away from an easy open three pointer, an easy layup. So um, perhaps Creighton can apply some of the lessons that it learned in those games uh, to, you know, yeah, you want to challenge a shot blocker, but you also can. Maybe there's an easy pass to make because mm-hmm. the defense has swarmed to you. Help side, weak side defend, defenders have rotated to you, and you got a teammate open. So yeah, uh, we'll see. There are ways around it. Yeah, we'll see how they how they handle it. But it should be fun, like you said. For sure. So you got New, new Year's plans tonight? New Year's plans? Ah, st- somewhere warm. I don't know. Yeah, my plan is to find the warmest spot in my house Some, and stay there. Something involving a fire, maybe. I, I don't know. That sounds amazing. I'd hope. I might come over to your house. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, everybody stay safe out there. Stay warm. Um, but enjoy your New Year's. And we will talk to you again in 2018 uh, when Creighton takes on St. John's at the Century Link Center. So until then, um, have a happy New Year.